1: If Moses would have said a partnership of God and Moses in business together to deliver the Jewish people out of Egypt, sounds so good, sounds so great. God and Moses together in business to deliver the Jewish people out of Egypt sounds really good. And then he would have (laughs) printed up the business cards and they would have looked great. And they, even Moses sit there and he reads, oh, wow, I can't wait to get, use this business card. It says God and Moses and business together to deliver the Jewish people out of Egypt. And he should have said, I would love to give that business card to Pharaoh. I can picture it now. You know, Remember, before he had run away from Pharaoh writing for his life, but he says, I can picture it now. I appear before Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, and who are you? And Moses says, Oh, I can't wait. I I said, let me give you my business card. And it says, God and Moses in business together to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. God and Moses in business together to deliver the Jewish people out of your kingdom, Pharaoh, your kingdom out of your clutches. See, he should have said that. He should have really been excited about that at this point, Moses. And he should have said, I can't wait to give that business card to Pharaoh. I can't wait to give that business card to the Jewish people. I can't wait to give that business card to the elders of the Jewish people. I can't wait to when I go to the Jewish people and he knew that they were gonna say, and who are you and who is God? So that, I mean, he asked that question in the text here, but he should have said, I can't wait to give that business card to the elders of the Jewish people when they say, who are you? And i just give them this card and it'll say God and Moses in business together to deliver the Jewish people out of Egypt. See, he should have said that. That's gonna be so great. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see not only give the card, but I can't wait to see how this partnership is gonna play out, I can't wait to see how this partnership business is gonna work out with me in business with God, oh, that's wonderful to deliver the Jewish people out of Egypt, oh, it's gonna be terrific, see, that's what he should have done, that's the road that Moses should have gone down, I can't wait to tell Pharaoh, I can't wait to tell the Jewish people that I'm in business with God to deliver the Jewish people out of Egypt, that's what he should have said, but unfortunately, Moses did not say that because Moses didn't see it that way. And Moses did not see himself in business together with God because the only thing that Moses saw was the prospect of just himself, see? He didn't say, and who are we that we should deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt? He didn't say, and who are we that we should go to Pharaoh? That would have put a whole different twist on everything. He said, who am I? So what was shown there is that the only person in business to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, Moses saw, was Moses, just Moses. Now Moses did anticipate Pharaoh's question, Moses knew that Pharaoh was going to ask him, and who are you and who is the Lord, which, you know, is what happened. That's why Moses asked God the question, what should I say? Who am I? Because he knew that Pharaoh was going to ask that question, but the problem was that Moses in his mind had only printed up and only saw the business cards that read, Moses in business alone, to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And so at this point, you know, God could have lost his temper because he made it very clear to Moses in verse eight. He says, I'm come down to do it. And then he goes on in verse 10 and he says, I'm sending you to do it. It could have been, uh, should have been very clear. But anyway, uh, he could have lost his temper. He could have said to Moses, Moses, what do you mean by asking who am I? I mean, I just got finished telling you that I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna send you that you, are gonna do it. Obviously it means we, so how come you didn't say and who are we? Moses, you want to make a business card that reads Moses in business alone to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses, what what am I? God could have said to Moses, Moses, what am I? Chop liver? I told you that I had come down to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, and I'm sending you now. And so why are you thinking that it's you alone? That's why he says Moses certainly In other words, is to bring Moses back to the point, certainly, in other words, anchor Moses. He's floating off, anchor back, Moses, certainly I will be with thee. Moses, look back again at verse eight. Moses, understand again that I was serious when I said I came down to deliver them. I will deliver them out of there. It's because Moses didn't see that God was going to be with him and that he was going to be in a partnership with God, Moses got all stressed out. He was all stressed out and his blood pressure rose and it was all unnecessary. So now before we jump all over Moses and say, oh Moses, what's the matter with you? You What's wrong with you? I mean, can't you see Moses that God said in verse eight that he was gonna deliver Israel out of Egypt? I mean, it's very easy for us to talk because we know the rest of the book, but we have to see that when Moses did what he did, that's all too often the problem in our lives. What Moses did is nothing more than what we always do. It's the reason why we get all stressed out. It's the reason why our blood pressure goes up and gets high. We approach life by sitting down and saying, now, what do I alone Want to decide to do with my life? What do I mean? I, this is my time when I'm sitting down and I'm making decisions about my life goals and where I'm going and. And so forth. And so, you know, I don't put two chairs there. I just put one chair there and I sit down in the one chair and I say, okay, now uh, here I am and I'm going to decide what I'm going to do. This is my life and my, you know, what am I going to do in my life? And so I make the decisions. This is my own time alone. And when I'm finished, I'm going to have them and those are going to be my life goals. See? Now, for example, today, what do I alone want to decide that I want to do today? What do I want to do today? And again, we pull up the chair. It's just one chair. We sit down, decide what we're gonna do for the day. Maybe we're lying in bed, we're thinking about the day in front of us. So we formulate in our mind everything that we're going to do, and there's and it's just us. We do it alone. And when we're all finished, we say, okay, that's what I'm that's my goals for today. That's what I want to do today. That's what I want to accomplish today. And we don't approach life with two chairs. We don't approach life by sitting down with God. We don't approach life by saying, you know, if there's only one chair in this decision-making time, that's no good for me. I need my chair, but I need also God's chair so that together we're gonna sit down and approach life. Together we're gonna sit down and we're gonna approach the day when I'm laying down in bed, just woke up in the morning, and I'm looking at the day in front of me, and I'm saying to myself, what goals do I wanna have for today? What do I wanna accomplish today? I don't do that because I involve God, and it's more, but we don't do that, and that's a problem because we don't say, Lord, what do you want me to do in my life? And when I understand that, then those will be my life goals. What do you want me to accomplish in my life? And that'll be what I, my purpose. And that was Paul's second question. He only asked two questions of the Lord Jesus Christ when he met him the first time on the road to Damascus. And the first question is, who are you, God? Who are you, Lord? Who art thou, Lord? And the second question, he said, was in Acts 9, 6, where we read, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? That's what he was saying. What Paul said there should be what resonates for us. Lord, what do you want me to do? What wilt thou have me to do in my life? What wilt thou have me to do today? And that will be my goals for my life. And those will be my goals for today. And the difference is that with the first way, we, when we devise our life goals around the question of what do I want to do with my life, and we come up with X, Y, Z, and if we devise our goals for the day around the question of what do I want to do today, and we come up with A, B, C, goals for the day, Then our business cards read me in business alone in life to do X, Y, Z, and me in business alone today to do A, B, C. But if we devise our life goals around the question of Paul's question, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do in life? And then we find God's P, Q, R goals for us, and if we devise our goals for today around the question of, Lord, what do you want me to do today, and we find those STV goals, then our business cards are totally different. They read God and me and business together for a life, for my life to do PQR, and God and business and me together for this day to do STV. Life just becomes, when that happens, life all of a sudden becomes a whole lot simpler, less complicated and less stressful and it becomes more exciting, less mundane and more momentous because every challenge in life that we look at or every challenge for the day that we come to, we don't meet with a what am I gonna do about this but instead, we meet every challenge and with a Lord, what are we gonna do about this situation? And God was so patient with Moses and God is so patient with us because he waited for Moses to come to the conclusion that God was not inviting Moses to meet these impossible challenges of going to Pharaoh and bringing the children of Israel, out, delivering them out of Egypt, he wasn't inviting him to do it alone, but he was inviting him to do, do this together with God in a partnership. It's the same way with us. God is not inviting us to live our lives alone alone. God is not inviting us to meet the challenges of our day-to-day alone. God is inviting us to go into a partnership with him. And that's why he's so patient with us. And he and He lets us, I mean, he lets us, as he did with Moses, going to, we're going to see, it's going to, Moses is going to go on for several verses now. And we go on for several years or however much time down the road of me doing business alone to do what I wanna do, to accomplish what I wanna accomplish, to do my will. And hopefully our lives don't get wasted out. Hopefully we don't waste out our lives with no time left to finally come to the conclusion that we need to stop going down that road and start going down the other road of God and me doing business together to accomplish God's will in my life, to accomplish God's will in my days today. See, all of this is the meaning behind a very important verse in the Bible in the New Testament, which is Galatians 2.20, where it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, when this verse says, I am crucified with Christ, I am crucified with Christ means that I have died to the interest in what I alone have decided to do or want to decide to do that I want to accomplish in my lifetime, I died to that, I am crucified with Christ. When it says I am crucified with Christ, that means that I am just not interested in what I alone want to do in my lifetime. When it says I am crucified with Christ, I am, present tense, I am crucified, with Christ. It's not saying I have been crucified. It means I am crucified. In other words, it's a continual process of seeing myself crucified with Christ, of seeing myself dead to these interests of self promotion, of accomplishing self will. He said, When I am crucified with Christ, it means that I have died to the interest in what I alone have decided to do that I want to do today. I am crucified with Christ means that I'm just not interested in what I alone want to do. I'm crucified with Christ means that I have died to the life of being separated from God for my lifetime and for my daily decisions. I've died to that life. I used to be alive to that life, but when I was saved, I became crucified with Christ. I died to that life. I'm not interested in it. And then Galatians 2.20 goes on to say, nevertheless, I live. I am crucified with Christ, but I live. I live. So in other words, when it says, nevertheless, I live, it means that I am interested in what I do in my lifetime. Nevertheless, I live means that I am interested in what I do today. Nevertheless, I live means that I'm not passive about this when it comes to ambitions for accomplishments, nevertheless I live, means that I do have purposes, I do have goals, I do have hopes, I do have dreams, but when it says in Galatians 2.20, yet not I but Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I but Christ liveth in me, means that my ambitions do not come from me. My ambitions are the ambitions of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's living inside of me. When it says, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, it means that my purposes in life, my goals, my hopes, my dreams did not come from me. But my purposes and my goals and my hopes and my dreams, those are the purposes, those are the goals, those are the hopes, those are the dreams of the Lord Jesus Christ who is living in me. See, when it says, not I, but Christ liveth in me, it means that I do not formulate my ambitions and my purposes and my goals and my hopes and my dreams alone. I don't do that. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me means that I get so close to Christ and appreciate him living in me so much that what happens is a transformation where that his ambitions, his purposes, his goals, his hopes, his dreams, they become mine. They become mine, as it says in Philippians 2.13. It's God which worketh in you. See, Christ liveth in me. It's God which worketh in you, both to will. That's will. Now we're talking about ambitions and purposes and goals and hopes and dreams, both to will and to do, now we're talking about sufficiency to accomplish those purposes and goals and ambitions and hopes and dreams. See, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13, it's God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But then Galatians 2.20 goes on to say, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That means that my new life is now a reflection of his life being lived through me. Whose life? The one who loved me and gave himself for me. Why does he put that at the end there? The one who loved me and gave himself for me, to give us the motivation, to turn our lives over to him, to tell us that you couldn't have a person who cares more for you than the one who loved you and gave himself for you. Therefore, do this. That's why he said in Romans 12:1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice. Now, that was a transition. This whole thing we're talking about now, the Galatians 2.20 is a transition. It's a transition of Mo- what Moses was going through. He was going from not Galatians 2.20 to Galatians 2.20. It was a Galatians 2.20 transition. And so when God said to Moses in verse 12, Certainly I will be with thee, he was saying to Moses, up residence. And that's according to Galatians 2.20, when he says, Christ liveth in me, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, Galatians 2.20. That's what God was saying to Moses, certainly I will be with thee, I will be in thee, Christ liveth in me. He was saying to Moses, I will live in you, and so therefore, Moses, you can say I am dead to my own aloneness apart from God, and as far as in devising my goals for life and so forth. You see, I am crucified with Christ. Moses can say, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Certainly I will be with thee. In the life that I now live, I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is all coming now to Moses. It's all happening. And the statement, I will be with thee, it's the beginning. It's the beginning for Moses to die to his self-life. I am crucified with Christ. What we study here with happening here with Moses is what God wants to have happen with us. Because this is when God says to each one of us, He says to us, I want to present to you the life that wins. The life that wins. What's the life that wins? It's Galatians 2:20. That's the life that wins. And so as God is presenting this to Moses with the certainly I will be with thee, God is presenting it to us. To both Moses and us, and he's saying, Moses, this will be the life that wins for you. He's saying the same thing to us in Galatians 2.20. This is the life that will be the life that wins for you. I am, you must die to your self-life. In Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Moses, certainly I will be with thee. You must live a new life now. Galatians 2.20, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And so for Moses, the statement, certainly I will be with you, this is the beginning here we go, Moses. It's a great thing that's going to happen. You're going to live a new life. It's going to be a reflection of God who is taking up residence in you, with you, in you. The life which I now live, I live in the flesh, which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The statement in verse 12, certainly I'll be with thee, was just the beginning of this Galatians 2.20 life for Moses. Wonderful. Then notice how it says there in Verse 12, that God said, and he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. So now God is in the giving the token uh, business here. He says, This shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the children, the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. So here, what God is telling Moses is that there would be, he needed to understand that God was now giving to him a token, a token. The token was a promise. It was a promise, and the promise was that on the place where you are, something's gonna happen. You're gonna bring all these people out here, you're gonna serve me on this mountain. Now, he used the word token. Token's a very interesting word. It's a Hebrew word for oat. it means oat, which is, it means token, it also means sign. That word oat was first used in the creation account in Genesis 1.14, where it says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons, and for days, and for years. So that word was first used in conjunction with the creation of the lights in the sky. What are the lights in the sky? The sun, and the moon, and the stars. And there were three purposes which God had for creating the lights of the sky. He says, number one, they are to divide the day from the night. So what did God do? He creates the sun, he creates the moon. What does it do? It divides the day from the night. And in that way, we can keep track of days, Like Moses said, Moses went on and he says, it's very important to keep track of days. Moses actually wrote one Psalm in the Psalm 90 and he said in verse 12, it's really a prayer. Psalm 90 is a prayer, it's a prayer of Moses and in that prayer, Moses prays in verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Now. We don't like to think of our own mortality, that's troublesome. We think, oh, someone else is gonna die, so, No, I'm not even gonna die. And when then when we get a little older, like me, and then people, your friends start dying, and you think, that's troublesome. So Moses says, Moses writes in Psalm 90, so he prays to God, God, help us. Help us to consider our own mortality. As a matter of fact, he says, God, help teach us to actually number our days. Why do we number our days? Teach us to count down. The number of our days, you know, I got so many days left, and you count them. Now, none of us know how long we're gonna live. Some of us say, oh, you know, my my family, we have longevity genes, and so we live a long time. Everybody in my family lives over 100. One thing's for sure, nobody, you're not gonna live more than 125. But based on the average life, we could say based on the average life for man, we should say, okay, on average, I should live this amount, or maybe your family lives longer, so whatever. So you say it's this number, or it's that number, Then Moses says, he says, now, whatever number you choose, use it as a countdown. And every day, cross off another day. See, that's teach us to number our days.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God.